Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, there's obviously been a lot of news and noise following Supreme Court rulings on everything from gun legislation uh, to abortion rights. Uh, how is it all playing out and what does it actually mean? Uh, I think one of the most important takeaways for me over the last few days has just been the need for nuance and the willingness to show restraint uh, to have a different kind of conversation. Uh, it is so easy to have that rapid-fire response, that instant certainty uh, about a headline or about even a particular ruling. And often it's it's in the nuance that uh, things get lost. And both Republicans and Democrats alike uh, have been really good of late of getting lost uh, in the headlines and in the rhetoric as opposed to getting deeper into the nuance and elevating the conversation in the process. And because of that, I think that is why we've seen so many uh, voters say, I've, I've had enough, I need to, I, I'm tuning it out officially. Uh, and it's so often, it's not people who don't care. It's people who are so busy doing other things in their lives that they don't have time for the nonsense. Uh, and it's, it's the nonsense versus the nuance uh, that we really have to look at. Uh, and so even when you look at something like the uh, Supreme Court decision on the Mississippi case, uh, which, uh, of course, overturned Roe v. Wade, uh, and get to the nuance of some of that. Uh, as we look at that, uh, the the thing that stood out for me, and uh, we've kicked this around in the, the newsroom a little bit as well, uh, is one of the lines from Chief Justice John Roberts in the in his opinion, of course, he sided with the majority in the ruling, but did not join the opinion. And there was a, a great line in his opinion, again, separate from the others, uh, that he really called out to both sides. He said, both the court's opinion and the dissent display a relentless freedom from doubt on the legal issues. And he said he, he just cannot share that. I think that's uh, such an important thing that uh, we need to be careful about this relentless freedom from doubt. That instant certainty is the way we often frame it. But I thought I like the way that uh, Justice Roberts put it, that freedom from doubt uh, is not a good thing uh, to, to be able to question. And so as I've been trying to look for the nuance in, in a lot of the conversation, Again, it's so easy. You could go to any of the major news networks and you could look at polling as it relates to the abortion issue. 
And you can find a poll that will tell you just about anything on the top line. But you have to dig into it. It's the nuance underneath the numbers uh, that are really interesting. Uh, And one of the things that was very interesting that I think Justice Roberts was trying to point the American people to was that there does seem to be some consensus among the American people uh, in terms of life and choice. And, of course, under Roe, the the line was 24 weeks. Uh, That was was it. Uh, In the Mississippi case, uh, that was being changed to 15 weeks. And, of course, uh, over the last number of years, as ultrasound technology has advanced, uh, we know that uh, a baby can be viable outside the womb uh, at 15 weeks. And so that was sort of the idea uh, that Justice Roberts saying, why don't we just narrowly focus on just that component? Because the majority of Americans agree uh, with that element. Uh, and so that was an interesting component to me of, of again, there's nuance there. Uh, But often the shouting at the top line prevents us from having all the other conversations that need to be had, uh, including things on the front end in terms of women's health and access to health care, especially in minority communities, especially in impoverished communities. Uh, And all of those things, we can't even get to those if we're just doing all the yelling and screaming at the top line from both ends of the spectrum. And it's that nuance, and, and that's where it's going to be interesting to see uh, the fallout. Uh, I'm broadcasting here from Washington, D.C. today, and it was interesting this morning. The uh, Supreme Court was, was fairly quiet this morning. There weren't a lot of uh, protesters there. There were actually more uh, pro-life groups there uh, in front of the uh, steps of the Supreme Court than there were pro-choice groups this morning. And But it was just a little bit more still uh, and a little more reflective. And uh, the thing that was the most saddening to me was the fact that we had to have a six-foot-high fence uh, around the Supreme Court. Uh, that, that is a building that I walked past twice a day, almost every day, uh, when I was a chief of staff here in Washington, D.C., and it saddened me that we have to have those kind of barriers and blockades uh, because we can't have a rational, reasonable conversation. And uh, that's the uh, that's the real test for us is can we get to that? Now our political parties seem bent uh, on just blowing everything out of proportion for political purposes for political reasons. Uh, and so let's look ahead. Uh, I had a conversation with Bloomberg Radio today while I was here in D.C. and uh, we talked about the fact that uh, both sides are are fundraising heavily off of these Supreme Court decisions. And uh, the, the uh, interviewer from uh, Bloomberg asked, you know, who's who's winning that race right now? Uh, and if I look at my email box, because I'm on both the Democrat and Republican mailing lists, and once you're on, you never get off. And so I'm regularly flooded with the, the fundraising emails. And, of course, they started, uh, as it related to the Mississippi case, uh, they started on Friday and have continued. And, uh, you know, I think both sides are, are doing very well raising money uh, off the issues coming out of the Supreme Court. Uh, but there has to be a, a limit on that in terms of the impact that it will have on voters. Uh, as we look towards the fall elections, the midterms, uh, of course, the uh, 
the Republicans have been very energized in terms of taking back the House and possibly even the Senate, uh, which, again, would create divided government, which the American people seem to be okay with, whether under uh, Republican administrations or Democratic. uh, We're getting a lot of divided government uh, over the last couple decades. And uh, so that's an interesting component to it. Uh, I think one of the things that we are going to watch that I'm going to be watching closely is the ability for both sides to show some of that restraint and to get to the nuanced conversations. Uh, Again, we don't see a lot of those happening Uh, And that's where I think many voters will tune out. Uh, So, for example, uh, you had Elizabeth Warren over the weekend uh, saying that we needed to, this is the very reason why we have to pack the court uh, and called on the president to do just that, to increase the number of justices so that uh, President Biden could nominate some more liberal judges and balance things out. Uh, You had uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez saying that these members of the Supreme Court needed to be impeached because of statements they made about precedent uh, as it relates to Roe v. Wade and that uh, they should therefore be impeached uh, because of the ruling that came out. Uh, All of that, I think, misses the mark. The, The right has similar problems in pushing everything too far. And returning this to a 2016 kind of battle. And will either side be willing to strike the notes that the American people actually want them to strike? Uh, Which is really, of course, going back to some of the pocketbook issues in terms of jobs, the economy, uh, upward mobility, and the things that, uh, that they're actually feeling and sensing. So... So to me, those are the questions that we have to start considering. And as voters, as voters, we have to start considering those in a different way. And it requires us to step back again from the headlines, from the breaking news, from the, you know, latest catastrophe that we, you know, you've got to send $25 today or the world as we know it is coming to an end and fill in, you know, whatever issue you want to put in there. But I I think for the vast majority of Americans, Uh, The questions really are in terms of of community, uh, of quality of living. Uh, It's it's not enough to be earning a little more in an hourly wage if it's all swallowed up by inflation and what you have to pay uh, in the price of gas and groceries. Uh, That that doesn't square with the American people. And so the, the question then becomes, will there be a leader on either side Uh, that can galvanize some sentiment of the American people in terms of solving problems. Uh, Now, I happen to be one of those people who believes that problems are a good thing. And actually, problems can be the greatest uniting force in our communities. When there is a problem, it is an opportunity for people to come together to solve it. And that will be the ultimate question, I think, of our day will be, can we prove that out? Can we show that problems don't divide us further, but that we can live up to the principles we profess to believe in, and that we can actually show that the problems of our day can actually be the greatest uniting force of our time? And that's a test for all of us. Well, that wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources, broadcasting live today from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. I'm Boyd Matheson. We're going to come back with hour number two after top of the hour news. Stay with us. Much more to come from our nation's capital on Inside Sources. 
a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.